Welcome to the Global Investor Podcast, a show that focuses on helping foreign investors enter the lucrative U.S. real estate market. Host Charles Carrillo combines decades of real estate investing experience with a professional background in international banking to interview experts in all areas of U.S. real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Charles Carrillo. Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Carrillo. Today, we have Peter Badger and Karen Williams. They co-founded the Global Investor Academy to help people obtain their mindset, strategies, and tools to create recurring income from global real estate investing. Uh, Peter spent 25 years on Wall Street and in Silicon Valley, while Karen spent 20 years in management consulting and corporate sales training. Uh, today, real estate investing and education is your full-time endeavor. So thank you very much for being on the show with us today. Hi, Charles. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Very good. So you have quite the business and quite the corporate background, which we see once in a while with the investors coming into real estate. And how did you guys make the shift or, or start investing in real estate? Yeah, so we, uh, we met, well, six, seven years ago at business school. And we were actually doing independent investing all the time in single-family homes. So we've actually had a bit of a wild journey in those, you know, meager beginnings because everybody has to start somewhere. You know, in single family homes, investors get their head around, you know, it's a simple asset class. You have a home, you can get your head around getting another home to rent somebody else. But we over, once we started joining forces, we bought 24 single family homes across Texas, Florida, Pennsylvania in less than 18 months. And so it was actually a bit of a crazy journey. But that was, that, that was our initial foray. Yeah. And then we kind of um, got stuck with scaling issues because, as you can imagine, you know, we were we had income to support ourselves, but that became a massive headache. And I think uh, you know we 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 kind of were rookie investors on the single-family home front because we didn't realize that we could have bought a single multifamily building with twenty-four doors with the effort of one single-family home in terms of closing it. So it was a it was a bit a bit of a, a brutal beginning actually. A lot of lessons learned through that process, though. I mean, every road has its yeah. reason. No, and so actually what happened was we kind of kept going to meet us, kind of meet people like yourself, Charles, and you know, and somebody pointed out that it was a bit of a folly of a strategy. So we started getting into multifamily. So we bought a couple of buildings, seven unit, 12 unit, actually near you in Tampa, Florida, metro area. And then we started just expanding to asset classes because once you get into real estate, you realize there's, there's pros and cons to every type of real estate asset class. And so we also wanted something counter-cyclical. So we bought a mobile home park in Illinois. Because mm. obviously when the market crashes, everybody goes from A-class properties to B, B to C, et cetera. And everybody comes out the bottom into mobile home parks, which become very valuable during a downturn. So we kind of went down that path for a while. And then our next one was... Farmland. Farmland. <laughs> well, everybody has to eat, you know, so farmland was something I grew up on a farm, actually, in both Oregon and in Pennsylvania. And so definitely there has been a trend of people caring more about what they eat. That's always been that way in Europe, a little bit less so in America, the very fast food culture. But clearly we've seen it with the Whole Foods and the Sprouts and the Trader Joe's and all these stores that people are caring more and more about where their food comes from. And so South and Central America is really untainted, untouched land in terms of its organic qualities, richness of the soil, uh, plentiful water sources. And so, yeah, we thought, well, this makes sense. Everybody's got to eat. The population's growing. Farmland, it's another real estate-backed, you know, hard asset-backed investment class. 
And um, yeah, and we really love it because it's absolutely fascinating. And it's one of those industries that's just really growing, evolving and changing. The amount of tech now used in ag Mm -hmm. is, um, you know, a huge shift in that industry. So we were personally excited about it. We like to invest in things that we feel personally connected to. You guys are uh, truly diversified, truly diversified real estate investors. Because you'll see, you know, when I talk to investors, they'll say, oh, yeah, we're diversified. We have five different apartment buildings and we go C and we go B. And you guys are going. <laughs> well, well but, but here's the thing, because it's all about sophistication of asset flats, because I think, think about it, single family home, you've got a, a roof, all the structure to support, air conditioning, you know, water heater. You go to multifamily, you've hopefully scaled a bit, you know, so you've got some centralized processes capability. and systems and yeah. And then with like you know, mobile home parks, you've got a pad. There's actually no more homes, hopefully, to maintain. You're just selling a bit of concrete with some utilities. Perhaps. Then some guy in an investor meeting said, he said, he said, you guys are idiots. He said, why maintain all this physical stuff? Because when you actually plant avocado, mango trees, whatever the crop is, on a piece of land, you plant it once, it produces full harvest in one to five years, depending on the crop type. Then it prints for 60 to 80 years. So it's an annuity. And there's yeah. no air conditioning that goes wrong, you know? Yeah, you've got different risks, you know, farming, farming risks around disease, water, other stuff, which you can manage just like you can on the other side. But, trash and toilets. but you soon realize actually there's asset classes which are a lot less hassle than others mm-hmm. to make a diversified portfolio make sense, you know? Okay. And uh, one of the things too is, do you guys still own your mobile home park? And how do you do the management on that? You have someone on site that handles that? Yeah, so we've always had property managers. So we're kind of hands-off investors. Um, we obviously work out what to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we'll go through that in a second, actually. We've kind of gone from having a lot of titled properties, personally, yeah. to more of the syndication route because okay. of that, you know. So what are you guys syndicating currently? Are you syndicating in all the different asset classes you've previously mentioned? Well, we, have, we still have a mobile home park operation going on. We have a real estate development effort that's in Reno, uh, Nevada, Sparks, Nevada, mm-hmm. around where a lot of tech is moving out of San Francisco into Nevada because of the state tax issues and such, and Tesla battery factory there. And so there's a lot of growth in that environment and a need for executive homes. We also have like a hospitality, boutique hospitality and um, hotel type play that is in Puerto Rico. The farming, most of the farming deals that we're in are syndicated. And see, I think that's all of the syndications right now, but right, like a real estate, a kind of basically community development effort of like executive homes, the mobile home parks, the farmland. Yeah, and big multifamily projects. And big multifamily projects, yeah, that are, you know, on a large scale, like a couple hundred units being upgraded, refreshed, you know, forced value add and then flipped or held on, depending on where the market ends up going for us. But we really found like for ourselves, after having like Peter talked about starting with the single family homes and even with property managers, I mean, finding good ones like Dan (laughs) are needle in a haystack, right? And so it still can be a lot of hassle, a lot of work just managing the managers, especially if you have them spread across the country. And so since our mission has been kind of helping other people that were like us, ex-corporate nine to five, 
to get to sort of their nirvana lifestyle and out of the rat race that they're in sooner. We're like, okay, well, time. Everybody only has so much time. When you do the syndicated investments, yes, there's the upfront time of analyzing the investment. But you'd have that anyway if you were holding title to the property. But when you get in the syndication, you've already got the legal structure that protects you there in that syndication effort. And it truly is. Do the analysis Make your bet on the on the industry, the project, the team, and then, you know, kind of receive the updates and check in with the management about what's going on. But they're all pretty proactive yeah. about keeping their investors. I mean, they're sophisticated operations and it becomes much more hands off like a stock market investment would be or a mutual fund thing where that's what people are kind of used to, right? Their focus of their time right now is maybe elsewhere on their career, their family, but they want to be building that ramp. And so we just felt this was the best passive and protected way to do it, actually. So where do you guys find most of your investors? You're, you, you spend most of your time in Europe. Is that correct? You live in the UK? Um, no. So we've, um, we've, we've evolved. <laughs> we, did. we kind of follow the seasons. Okay. So we've been writing for around three years now. Um, actually, we're here at our home in Puerto Rico and okay. have other locations in, in various parts of Europe, uh, Central South America. Okay, so you guys are to Europe to back and all. Okay, that's great. Yeah, Do you yeah. find most of your investors are US based or are they international? Do you have global? They're, they're global. So we have um, a bunch of US investors only because it's an easy thing in terms of tax advantages. Yeah. Uh, but then we have people in, you know, UK, Canada, across Europe, Australia, clearly speaking, yeah, <laughs> Panama, I mean, they're all over the world. So I would say predominantly US based to answer your question directly, um, Charles, but that is growing as more and more people. And because we focus on global assets, we end up meeting other people that are like, well, I'd like to get involved in that. The, we started with the U.S. market because it's a big market, right? And having come from that environment, we and lots of the real estate meetups and those sorts of networks, we understand how they think, kind of what they understand at this point, where they need to go. But more and more, yeah, we're finding a lot of global investors interested because they see that we're looking at a global realm of investments. So it applies to them too. And English speaking, obviously from the US to UK, Canada, Australia makes sense because we're English speaking, but we're definitely, we have a vision to be able to, to advance this. There's a lot of growing middle class in Central and South America where we find a lot of our investment opportunities and we would love for them to, to, to rise up in this capacity as well. Yeah, that's great. And that's kind of going into our next question. But the thing is that just uh, quickly, what, are the, what do you find that your international investors are interested in investing into? So when you speak to someone, say they're based outside the United States, are they interested in farmland? They're interested in apartments? They're interested in... It's the whole gamut because yeah. really we play them through a, you know, build a diversified portfolio, you know, a baseline of good investments in the US because mm -hmm. it's an amazing market and then wrap it up with some diversification in Central, South America and Europe that is supposed to give you like country and currency diversification. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately in our lifetime, if the US dollar topples... <laughs> quite hard, which is high given the debt, yeah. you know, we're actually holding as a country, then, you know, we, we're okay because we have in other countries, Central, South America, and Europe, they can support us theoretically. So, yeah. So for your investors, when you come in, you kind of put together a whole plan for them. Um, that's, great. that's great. Yeah. That's awesome. And I mean, it's consistently, they are interested in yield, mm -hmm. diversification of risk and enhancement of lifestyle. Yeah. 
So they're looking for just kind of like what you guys were going from single family to multifamily kind to cut down on that asset management portion of your time and spending more time doing things you want, which is kind of the whole reason we're all getting involved in this. Um, It's also also about lifestyle. I mean, you know, so a little example. So we we own part of syndication, a coffee farm, you know, in Colombia. Oh, this is our coffee from our farm. Awesome. You know, so people want to not only invest in things that produce high yield, you know, yeah. basic necessities that made a profit to support their lifestyle, but to go and visit the farms. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a nice double whammy, really. We have a... We, we, we seem to attract kind of multicultural uh, couples that are maybe one or the other is Canadian or American, but they're married to somebody who's from, you know, Colombia or Italy or, you know, Argentina and they have this sort of, yeah, fused together, very global mindset. And as they, you know, as they build enough financial wealth to do so, they want travel and adventure. And they look at their investing as kind of a part of that journey that builds their wealth and builds their, the richness of their life and their experiences. So how do you guys find your investments? Because it's not just like going, finding an apartment building and you talk to someone in Marcus and Milchap and uh, find a coffee farm in Columbia. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, um, so honestly, it's networking, it's travel. So we love global travel. We probably lived part-time in 17 towns and cities the past three years. And we basically land in a place, Airbnb, for six weeks. And we network in real estate and get to know the area and meet people. And, you know, it's an, when you're a full-time investor, like we are in real estate, it's just amazing. People start coming to you and get connected to you as part of that journey. So it's a, it's a lot of lead work, to be honest with you. It's exhausting. I, yeah, I imagine when people come to you and you already have the lifestyle that they're envious of, that they've been working so long for, and then you tell them your lifestyle, and then they're, they probably, the next question is, how can I do the same thing? Or how can you teach me? Or what do you have for me to invest into? Yeah, it's funny. We have some um, investment providers who are also investing in some of our other deals. Because they're seeing other yields from their own portfolio. Like they work in one asset class, but they're saying, huh, I like that whole diversification idea. I don't want all my eggs in one basket, especially if they are a syndicator or an operator. But they're working in just one asset class where they have the expertise. They want to still branch out their own personal investments. Uh, what do you? What are your investments in farmland right now? What are they? You said you said coffee, and what else do you have currently? Are you looking at? Yeah, we have coffee. We have a sort of mixed-use investment that's cattle, coconuts, and teak, which is, that is like a novelty that I don't think we'll ever see again. We have a new one in lime that's coming out. And that's also the, the, the farm deals. What's interesting about the investing in farmland is it's, it's almost beyond just investing in farmland. It's really investing in agribusiness that's backed by the hard asset of the farmland you know, so should things go awry, right? You have plenty of uh, value behind the company, but it's more than just the growing. It's the growing, it's the harvesting, it's the pack, the processing, the packing, the distribution channels, the wholesales and distribution worldwide to Europe, to Asia, to America, to the South Americas. All of these markets are, are very different. So we're finding that the agribusiness is like this, it's this amazingly rich and evolving asset class that again, we all need to eat. And it's interesting to see the ways you can de-risk the investment 
by all the different layers of, of kind of hard assets backing that investment. So you're owning a piece of the land, a piece of the developed packing facility, perhaps. You've got the established channels of distribution. They have a, a brand, the one company called LaDonna, where they have all their tropical fruits under this one brand. So every time they bring in a new project to the fold, they already have a piece of the puzzle or several pieces of the puzzle in place. So once you make inroads into the food distribution process, which in in Europe tends to be centered around Rotterdam and then dispersed out from there. Well, once you have those relationships in place, every other project that you go into gets to leverage off the back of that. Yeah, that was one question I had with the brand. So say with the cocoa farm, when you had the coffee right there, how does that... So when you're investing, are you actually you're going to sell the beans to a producer or you're going all the way where you're, you're going to farm it. You're going to package yeah, so, it. You're building so a brand. In this case, the Colombian deal has certain characteristics. So, so firstly we got in very cheap because Colombian peso has been down 40% in the U S dollar. So you're buying these coffee farms, uh, which oh are struggling. Yeah. It's like a distressed asset. So think of yeah. the value add concept in multifamily. You're getting it at a discount. And then what we're doing basically is we're bringing multiple farms together to get some scale. And then there's something in the case of Colombia, there's actually a Colombian Coffee Growers Association. And the government buys the beans off all the farmers because it's kind of like, you know, it's like all farming in Europe and the US. The government supports a base price, often the commodity price. And so the worst case scenario in our business deal is that we sell to the Colombian government. Best case is you start to take containers to North Korea, China. We have some outlets now. But then more importantly, sorry, South Korea. That'd be interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Not sure if we get any more. That's a whole whole different episode. That's right. (laughs) We'll we'll discuss that in my Tanzania investment. (laughs) And so so the other piece is then we actually take container loads and we sell them to bespoke coffee roasters in the US, in Europe. Because you can get, you know, $750, $550, dollars you know, a bag in, in these markets. To, and so it, it, it's a combination of different sales channels um, to try and, you know, sell this through. So the consistent theme we've been seeing with these farmland project sponsors, basically, is that the more integrated they can get the whole supply chain from seed to sale, right, and distribution, is um, it just makes it that much more powerful because you can really control your margins in every piece of that. Because as we've been learning about the food distribution process, everybody's taking their piece along the way. So the further you can sell down that value chain all the way through, you know, the better. So so we look for investments in farm that are like Apple, you know, you control the hardware, which is the actual crop and the harvest and the farming piece, all the way through the actual to the retail store in these cases. You know, interesting. I was talking to another, uh, it was a coffee farm in like Panama years back, one of the syndicators. And he was saying one of the things too, it's, uh, it's great. Like you were saying before, Karen, where you're raising people's uh, lifestyle that are working obviously with the farms directly. It's not like you're making money, say in the United States and we're donating money through some charity down there and hoping it happens. You actually can raise their, their lifestyle to, you know what I mean? You can pay them more, you can do livable wage, all that kind of stuff, right? directly so you know exactly you you see what you've done that's very it's true i mean it's um it's a profitable investment because again our investors want yield it's yield first mm-hmm. but i definitely can tell you it feels really good to make these investments and see the impact not just on our investors 
who are here to serve, but also, you know, the company that's putting in place these workers that have had no health care or pensions or anything like that. And now they're getting that. They're often, you know, transported to the farm, back and forth from their homes to the farm and that kind of thing. So it's really, um, yeah, it's a cool impact um, to see. Great. Uh, so one of the things I want to get into is when did you, uh, you guys create the Global Investor Academy? And you started teaching and, and what made you make that, that next change from just doing the investment, syndicating and going now into teaching? Well, I guess it was probably 2016 or 17. We'd already been investing for a few years. 2016, 17, we started telling more and more friends because people started really getting curious about what we were doing because we were doing an awful lot of travel, looking like we're having an awful lot of fun on Facebook. And they're like, what the heck are you guys doing? Like, you don't work? <laughs> you know, you're not even 50 at the time. It was like, and so, yeah, so we kind of started to share more and more over coffee, dinner, whatever, friends and family and stuff first. And then those who really got it started to take us seriously and say, oh, okay, well, can you help me kind of get started on this? And so we do a little handholding of a few people and we had enough friends and family really having a lot of success and just getting momentum going in their own financial um, independence. And they were like, you know what, you guys should really teach us to more people. And so we kind of laughed it off at first. And then finally, like 2018, we're like, okay, you know what? This is for real. Like this is, we need something really purposeful other than traveling around for our own investments, which is, it's always great to build your own nest egg. But we felt compelled like, wow, if, if we would have only known the possibilities of this life earlier, like how different that would have been and how much more time we could have spent with our kids as they were growing. And, and I think for me, there was one pivotal moment for me was a friend, Rudy, who actually came to us after spending a couple of years investing in similar techniques. And he said, I finally replaced my base corporate income with passive income from these investments. Nice. And he had the first, you know, and that's, that's so powerful for the first time in his life. He could choose whether to do that job or not, you know, and he actually continued doing it, which was the freedom of choice, you know, and that was yeah. huge. And yeah, and so we actually, uh, we've helped a bunch of friends and family and, and uh, it's just been, it's because the thing is when we when started out, we didn't know a lot about these asset classes and there's, Unfortunately, in real estate, there's a bunch of shysters out there. They're all looking to say the crappy deal. I know. That's for sure. Whereas we're actually aiming to sell them the education and then deals we invest in, we're trying to extend out, you know, obviously they're not, um, they don't have to invest alongside us, but mm -hmm. when they see the analysis we teach them and show them the analysis we've gone through, they soon understand that they can actually do it themselves. And, and there's such power in that. We just wish we were around to teach us when we started, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, because honestly, the hardest part I feel like in our journey was the fact that there's a lot of people out there that can maybe educate you in like one class because that's the that's what they focus on syndicating. And so there's all these disparate pieces, but nobody's kind of putting together the whole framework, the whole process about, okay, if this is your endpoint that you're trying to achieve and this is where you're starting... Let's map out the whole process of how to get there and educate you along the way so that you're learning to fish for yourself. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, you know, you're kind of contributing back to the perpetual learning community of investors. I mean, we look at it in some regards as an ongoing investment club. Yeah. Uh, how does that work? How's the framework for your teaching in your classes? I mean, you guys have a lot of asset classes, the most that are, I mean, most of these aren't even touched upon with other syndicators or real estate coaches or mentors. 
Well, I, I think one of the keys to what we do, because we learned it ourselves the hard way, was you need to work out where you're heading, what lifestyle you want before you start doing the investment. Begin with the end in mind, you know? Because what happened to us was we started to just invest, got enough passive income to free ourselves, feel very fortunate, very grateful. Um, but then we were like, okay, what do we do now? How do you fill your day? Why do you get up in the morning? And so we actually take people through a process at the very start. So, you know, if, if money wasn't an issue, if you didn't have to go into a corporate job every day, what would you like that Nirvana lifestyle to look like? And that's the, really the start of the, the eight weeks we take people on that educational journey is define that, work out how much cash you have, allocate the cash to different classes of, class of real estate, and then go through and learn those classes and start to execute. Interesting. So where can, uh, where can people learn more, uh, Peter and Karen, about the, uh, the Global Investor Academy and your other businesses? Yeah, well, they can go to www.globalinvestoracademy.com. And you can feel free to subscribe to our blog there and reach, you know, reach out to us as well. Feel free to, to do that. Share a little bit of your journey. And-, and, and yeah, one thing we try and do is, you know, we don't bring many people in per month into our academy because mm-hmm. our goal is, you know, we see a lot of people out there trying to get the, the mass amount of cash they can. And actually, we'd rather have a smaller group of people who are more intimately involved in understanding what they're trying to achieve and to do more coaching to help them get there. And so uh, what we actually do is if you go to the website, you'll see a small video explaining the techniques we use. And if you're interested, we'll have a strategy session. Yeah. We'll chat to you for 45 minutes. Say, okay, what are you trying to solve in your life? You know, what does it look like today? What would you like to look like tomorrow? And then kind of make sure that you're fit for purpose. We can help you um, because there's no point in wasting our time or theirs if they aren't a great fit for what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. It's true lifestyle investing, I guess you could say, from a truly diversified group. I mean, that's I, I do a lot of international traveling, but I have never done 17 Airbnbs in one year. That is <laughs> one day, right? There's a, Airbnb has a bit of a variability in mattresses, trust oh, yeah. me. Yeah. So you're probably in better fact shape than I am right now. Well, I want to thank you guys so much for being on the show. And um, listeners, I'll put all the information, all the contact information that uh, uh, Peter and Karen have, have given us, and I'll put it inside the notes for the podcast notes and also on YouTube. So I want to thank you guys one more time for being on the show and enjoy. I know you guys are leaving, you're heading out this week. So have safe travels. Thanks, thank Charles. You. Have a great thank, day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Global Investor Podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new weekly episodes. For more resources and to receive our newsletter, please visit globalinvestorpodcast.com. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Harborside Partners Incorporated exclusively.